And if you think about that scene when he leads them, it's not a lot of words. It's not like a long thing. And it's just, you know, pretty much coming up. If we don't come together, we will fail like these guys. We'll be just like these guys here. I don't care if you like each other, but you will respect each other. And just maybe we might play this game like men. And that kicks it off. But that scene, it was just powerful right there. He doesn't have – a lot of times – he doesn't have to have all the verbal words, but he still has that charisma to know he dominates the scene and he takes over. Welcome back to Knowledge Brew Supreme, the show that percolates your creativity. And it is I, your host, Dr. John Chansey, and I am back and better than ever. But before we begin today's episode, let's take a quick ad uh, for our new show sponsor, Sleeves Sold Separately. All right, let's try this again. Recording number two, a little more energy this time, a little three, two, one action that we'll jump right into it. So three, two, one. Greetings. This is John Chansey. I don't like that. Let's try again. Three, two, one. Greetings. This is Dr. John Chansey, host of Knowledge Brew Supreme, and I'm here to tell you about one of my favorite products in the fitness game, our new show sponsor, Sleeves Sold Separately. Sleeves Sold Separately is a brand of athleisure clothing for men who train hard and also want to look good while doing so. The clothes that these wonderful folks make are an absolute game changer. Their products are designed and manufactured in the United States, out in Los Angeles, and they are shipped directly to your home. Sleeve Sold Separately offers a wide variety of athleisure clothing, such as the Wife Lover tank top, their classic sleeveless hoodie, their Lungeman shorts that come in both four and six inch seams, and so much more. My personal favorite from Sleeve Sold Separately is their take on the classic jogger bottoms, except theirs is called the Sprinter. Sprinters come in several colors, and even before they were a show sponsor of Knowledge Brew Supreme, I bought multiple pairs in black. I've got a gray pair, a teal pair of the Sprinters, and I wear these daily. Uh, So please check them out. Visit their website at sleevesoldseparately.com. My listeners of Knowledge Brew Supreme can get 15% off your order from Sleeve Sold Separately using the promo code KNOWLEDGE15. That's all one word, KNOWLEDGE15. So please check out Sleeve Sold Separately, use the promo code, and thank me later. Take care. Bye. My guest for today's episode is the one and only Deremy Dove, who is the co-host of one of my favorite sports podcasts in the game. It's called Bigger Than the Game Podcast. So if you're a fan of sports, sports history, pop culture, just two cool guys just talking about awesome subjects like, you know, some of their favorite sporting events. This is the show to go to. You will not be disappointed. They cover a wide range of topics. They don't like limit themselves to like one team or one sport. They're all over the place and it's wonderful content. So uh, Deremy and his co-host, Jose Ruiz, they break down all sorts of of sports from very uh, different perspectives, including historical perspectives. 
Their most recent episode is just an absolute banger. They dissected game four of the 1987 NBA Finals, Lakers versus Celtics. We're talking about the Magic Skyhook game. So very uh, awesome content that I was actually listening to uh, earlier today, you know, just kind of prepping to get to to get to hear uh, from Jeremy a little bit before we, we met up today for today's episode. So anyways, I'm going to put a link to their show in the show notes and obviously give uh, Jeremy plenty of time to plug his show as well. Um, but I brought on Jeremy today to talk about all things related to Denzel Washington, who I think both of us highly regard perhaps as one of the greatest American actors, if not the greatest American actor of all time. So the the kind of the meat of this show, this episode, we're gonna we're gonna break down our top five favorite Denzel Washington movies. But there'll be some other topics kind of related to all things Denzel along the way, maybe building the case for why we think he is the goat or one of the goats. Um, so anyways, Jeremy, you know, he has his sports podcast, but this show is also not afraid to get into all things pop culture as well. So I think there is uh, this is he is a perfect guest to come on and talk about all things Denzel with me. So anyways, before we get going, I just want to give a quick rundown on Denzel Washington's career. Now, I cannot like these next couple of like paragraphs here are not cannot do justice alone. So um, but it's just for those living under a rock. And maybe if you haven't seen a Denzel movie in a while, here's just a quick reminder. Uh, so he was born in 1954, originally trained for the theater. However, he makes his acting debut as far as, um, you know, the silver screen, the big screen in 1977. He was in a made-for-TV movie called Wilma. Uh, he is also one of the most decorated actors of all time, very receiving so many accolades along the way, a Tony Award. He received two Academy Awards, Best Supporting Actor for Glory, uh, Best Actor for Training Day, three Golden Globe Awards, and two Silver Bears. In 2016, he received the Cecil DeMille Lifetime Achievement Award, and in 2020, the New York Times named him the greatest actor of the 21st century. In 2022, uh, Denzel Washington received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Joe Biden. His career has spanned four decades and appears to be, there's no end in sight uh, currently. I think last thing I saw is um, there is another Equalizer uh, 3 coming out next year. So Denzel is, is coming hard into the 2020s. He is also one of eight actors who have been nominated for acting, uh, for receiving or being nominated for an Academy Award in five different decades, the 80s, 90s, the aughts, 2010s, and 20s. He joins Lawrence Olivier, Catherine Hepburn, Paul Newman, Jack Nicholson, Michael Caine, Meryl Streep, and Francis Dorman. So again, I, you, we could go on for literally just talking about his career for days on end, just going through the IMDb. But I want to shut up now and introduce my guest for today. With all of that said, welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? How have your holidays been? Are you surviving this cold weather? I think you're in the Northeast. It's a, maybe it's a little colder than where I am. Oh, John. Well, first of all, thank you for that great introduction. Um, you were so awesome on our show and such a great guest and have gotten so many great reviews about how awesome you were. So oh, you. it's uh, 
just an honor for me to come on your show. Hopefully I can live up to what you did on ours. So hopefully I'm a good guest for you. So I got my fingers crossed, but man, it is freezing up here. I do not like it. Um, I try to tell myself every winter, all right, brace it. You can do it. You can do it. And from about Friday to today, it has been just absolutely brutal where uh, we had some days, the wind chill was below zero on Christmas Eve and Christmas day. And I'm just like, uh, I was a fool and forgot to get a gift on Christmas Eve. Oh no. So I had to go out in that cold and I regretted it instantly. So <laughs> this, this, this winter, you know, freeze up here all over the country, it seems it is brutal and I can't wait for it to be done, but I'm doing well because I'm excited to talk to you and to talk about Denzel. I mean, yes. I can't be, I can't tell you, I've been counting down the days and all today I was at work and I'm just like counting down. I'm hopping on with John. We're talking Denzel. Yes. Yes. And I, I do apologize. I should have mentioned in the introduction when I mentioned your show, uh, you know, bigger than the game podcast, they were kind enough to invite me on to break down uh, and do a little bit of a redraft of the 2011 NFL draft, which was so much fun. Um, so obviously I'm, I might be a little biased. If you're going to go check out an episode of Bigger Than the Game, <laughs> you might start with that one, but all of the episodes are great. Don't get me wrong. So anyways, I'm excited to have Jeremy here. I'm glad you're excited as well. So, you know, to begin with, I kind of want to ask this big picture question, you know, it might seem it's really simple in asking this, but I'm going to ask first, you know, why Denzel Washington? And what do I mean? What I mean by this is like, what got you excited about this topic? Because, you know, a few weeks ago, I reached out to you. We've, we've been kicking around the idea. Okay. I came on your show. I, you know, we'll get you on my show as well. And let's figure out a topic. We kicked around a few ideas and some ideas, you know, we were excited about more than others, but this one, it seemed like it really resonated with you. You were like, okay, no, 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 no. Let's, let's, Denzel, let's do top five Denzel movies. Like I'm excited about that. So what is it about that topic that got you excited? Why is it that Denzel Washington, you know, uh, in general, just why, why was there so much excitement around this topic? Well, because as someone who loves to, like we were talking before we started recording, loves pop culture. I love these lists, you know, whether it's greatest albums of the nineties or, you know, greatest NBA players, List that can get people talking, debating, being like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. I love that. And to me, I'm a big film guy. And Denzel has that kind of list that you could have myself, you, three other people name our top fives, and they're all completely different. And I think we all would be like, hey, that's not a bad list, like what you got. It's different than mine, but I understand why you, you chose it. There's such a uh, versatility with what Denzel has done as an actor, but also his films. There's the deep films that are like, oh, if you're like the hoity-toity film critic, you love them. And then there's the common movie fan who just wants yeah. to be entertained for two hours. And there's plenty of great films where it's like, yeah, you just you just want to watch something that's going to, you know, you're chilling at home with your girl and you just like put something on. It's like, let's put on a Denzel film. And it's just, you won't go wrong. So there's just such variety there that I'm like, I got to talk about my man, Denzel. Yes. And it's so funny you brought that up, bringing, you know, putting on a Denzel flick with your girl hanging out. That's what I did literally last night. My wife and I watched Man on Fire. It was her first watch. It's probably my hundredth watch of that movie. And uh, we we worked on a Lego set and watched Man on Fire. And it was a great night. Oh, yeah. You can't. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. So, 
Yeah, I think uh, the versatility of Denzel, you said it well. I mean, if you want you want the action star, there's plenty of Denzel movies where he can kind of scratch that itch. If you want that Oscar kind of hoity-toity, you know, uh, deeper film, definitely there as well. So a lot of range uh, with, with Denzel. So what I want to know is, um, we, you know, we, we might, I'm curious if our answers are similar or maybe we've, you know, kind of depends on, uh, I think we're, we're pretty similar age range. So I'm curious what your answer to this next question is, but what's your first recollection of watching a Denzel movie? Do you remember what movie it was? Did you go see it in theater? Did you see it? Where, where, and what movie did you see? Uh, so I have, it's kind of like two for this one and I, you know, try not to be too long winded. So the first was when I was probably about four to five years old and every day after like, you know, preschool, kindergarten, I go to my godmom's house to get dropped off. And, and her daughter was a big movie fan and had a big in her room collection of we're going to date ourselves VHSs, <laughs> yes. you know, the VCR and she would plug away. And already at that time, you know, Malcolm X had come out and it was already part of the culture. Yeah. And it was that movie that I would, I was like, you know, I remember the, the VHS case and it had the big X on it and it was, you know, big and huge. And I'm like, what's that? And she was like, you can't watch that yet. But she was watching it. So what yeah. she did not know, and if she listens to this, I apologize 30 years later. But I would be sneaking in and I would kind of with looking back, I'm like, I was pretty clever. I would knock and be like, hey, can you help me with like tie my shoes or something? But it was my way to just see Malcolm X. So that was my first time, wow. you know, asking for little like things, but I would get little scenes and seeing Denzel on the screen. And it was a movie that like I knew it was like I, for me, the first movies that were like adult films that like everyone talked about and I was curious, it was like Malcolm X and Forrest Gump, you know, oh, Denzel and Hanks, yeah. where it's like, I'm like, everyone's talking about these movies and they say I'm too young. And I'm like, I want to see these. Yeah. But the next one was not too long after. And I was in the theater for it. And that was like the first time watching Denzel fully not having the sneak. But uh, it was the preacher's wife in the theaters oh. in Whitney Houston. Uh, I went with my mom and my brother and we saw the preacher's wife and I, I was hooked. I saw that guy on the screen yes. and I still remember the scene where he goes to the nightclub with Whitney Houston and he's dancing and he's, you know, all right. And then he just, he had me cracking up um, and he was as charismatic and I knew right there, like, this is my guy. So those are my two. Okay. I like that. All right. All right. Interesting. So I, you know, I, I, I waited a lot longer in life to watch Malcolm X. I remember, I remember I used to see it at the rental stores because that the black cover with the big X right. on it just stands out. It would always kind of draw my eyes to it, but it was one of those movies. My parents were like, yeah, you're too young. You know, I was probably like a little kid at the video store and they're like, yeah, you know, not, not <laughs> happening right now. Um, so I watched it when I was, you know, probably 18 or 19 when I was an adult and, um, you know, had my own DVDs and things like that. But I think my first conscious recollection, you know, I was trying to think back. I'm, I'm sure I've I'm sure I've watched something earlier than this, but my earliest recollection um, is seeing Glory in eighth grade U.S. history class. Uh, we watched Glory during our U.S. history, we, you know, like uh, unit. I think we watched that. We you know, I think we broke it down over a week and we talked about the Civil War and, and talked about that movie a lot. So that was my first experience 
And I mean, I just was blown away. Like I just like Denzel gets the best supporting actor for this movie. And I mean, you, you see why, I mean, he's jumping off the screen immediately. He's just so charismatic. He's such a heel in this movie at times, kind of goading, you know, the main characters along the way, but when it really matters, like when they're actually getting into combat, you're like, Oh my God, like, Denzel's the guy I want by my side. So that was kind of my first recollection. But my first experience in the theater that I can recall, um, you know, and maybe dating a little bit, early 2000s, maybe it was actually 2000, but was Remember the Titans. Mm. I remember seeing that my aunt took me and my cousins. We went and saw that at a dollar theater because I think we waited. It was so popular at the time. We yeah. couldn't go see it in the real, you know, the main theater. So we were like, all right, we'll just wait for the dollar theater. And we did. And oh, my gosh, it did not disappoint uh, that movie. I think, you know, I, I don't want to, like, throw that out there that it's my favorite Disney movie. But like maybe it's my most memorable Disney movie because that one. I mean, I was so used to like cartoons and right. Disney princesses and all these different stories, which are fine or great. But like a Disney movie about football. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. Like, I love football. You know, that was when I was really getting into football, too. So that was sort of perfect timing for me. Um, no, that yeah. was a. Uh... That was number one in the box office, remember? And that's what kind of yes. got me. I was seeing the previews for it, and I'm like, all right, I'll get that. Like you said, people may not know the dollar. We had a dollar theater up here, too. <laughs> so I was like, maybe later on. And what kind of hooked me was that went to number one in the box office. And I'm yes. like, I got to get on this. Remember, the Titans quicker than I thought here. So you yes. got you got some great choices there, John. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, I mean, it, it just felt like I just kind of fell in love from there, uh, you know, got – got the the season tickets for Denzel after that. I just had to watch pretty much anything and everything uh, that Denzel put out. So I want to now kind of flip gears just a little bit, and I want to jump into a realm that you are comfortable with, and that is sports. Um, so I'm curious, kind of metaphorically speaking, if Denzel was a sports figure or a sports team, he could be a team or an individual athlete. If you were to compare him mm -hmm. kind of career-wise or any way you want to take it, uh, who would you compare Denzel to and why? This was a great question. This is the only one that I kind of, who wants to be a millionaire, I had to call a friend on. <laughs> this was the only it. one when I saw the questions the other day, I was like, this is really tough. But I got to I gotta be honest, I can kind of give it to both. Um, and for those who, I think everyone did during 2020, the pandemic, if you didn't, you know, watch The Last Dance. Yes. And I think Denzel is a com he's for a figure. He's Michael Jordan. And for a team, he's the nineties bulls. And oh, I say boy. that because Michael Jordan is just that icon where even if you watch his contemporaries, the way they talk, the people who played with him, put him on that high, you know, like he's up here. And if yes. you see the actors, Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, so many great actors. When they talk about Denzel, they're like, we learned from him. He yes. showed us. I mean, the infamous Oscar slap with Will Smith <laughs> and Chris Rock. Who was the guy who got in there and calmed it down? Yes. Got Will Smith. It was Denzel leading that charge. Um, oh, I love it. I love you know, it. everyone listens to Denzel and respects yes. him. And the thing I'll say about why he used the 90s Bulls is, is the 90s Bulls are the one team that I can talk to anyone throughout history that we're all connected to. Yes. You know, every other team, a great team. When you know, I have a coworker who was like, I love those nineties Yankees. 
and I go, my first question is, oh, are you from the New York area? And she's like, well, yeah, Connecticut. Everybody else, when they say the team that they love, we're like, are you from, we're kind of questioning their connection. Why do you pick that team? With the Bulls in the 90s, I never go, are you from Chicago? Right. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, everyone loves the 90s Bulls. Yes. Every there's no like oh like with because I think we all can be this way with actors with musicians it's like well did you follow I followed this group like the early years before they got big or I knew this actor or actress before they got big with Denzel it's just like of course yeah you love Denzel yeah I do too like (laughs) got it you got him early in his career that's great I got him later you got him in the middle but yeah we all love Denzel and it's like there's no it's like he's ours. He's There's an no American one. treasure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I love it. Transcendent like the Bulls. It's so funny. You bring up uh, you bring up the Oscar incident and how he was able to kind of, you know, bring calm and, and to a very hectic, you know, disorderly event. Um, I think because of that event, I think it's cemented in my mind that Denzel, my comp is the undertaker. Uh, you know, he is going to come up there and, and just everything's got to flow through him. You know, he may not always have the title. He may not win every Oscar every year, but you know who the big, you know, who the big dog is, you know, who is in charge and it's Denzel. Like you want to settle a dispute in Hollywood Call Denzel. So that's uh, a great one, man. I, I like the bulls one too. I think that's a really fair. I think that's a very accurate uh, uh, comparison. I think Denzel is very transcendent, just like, just, I mean, just like the Bulls, just like a rock band. I mean, just like these transcendent pop culture icons that doesn't, it's not, it's not bound by time or place or things like that. People we're going to be talking about for years and years to come. Um, And I'll, I'll just say this real quick. The reason why I also look at Denzel as Michael Jordan, and I use the last day, a lot of people who yeah. I know you probably know, and I do, we knew those stories. Denzel as an actor I'm not saying he's not like a a good teammate or anything, but he's not really a sharer. Sure. Sure. He's kind of someone he takes over the scene. And if you're playing opposite him in the scene, you better step your game up. Yes. And that's kind of how Michael was where some like LeBron is like a sharer. He's going to pass, get you involved, get everyone warmed up. Michael Jordan is like, Hey, you're going to follow my lead. You step up or you get out of here. And Denzel, it's kind of like, there's few who have been able to like, be on screen with Denzel and keep up with him. Yes. He kind of pushes you to that next level. And so that's right. where I see that too, you know? And I think that's why I think, and I, so I don't want to, you know, put the cart the horse too far ahead of the car or however the saying goes, you know, when we talk about, it, I want to start getting into our top five Denzel flicks in just a moment. But I think that is one of the things that stands out for a lot of these movies is not only Denzel's performance, but his ability to elevate, not necessarily elevate, like you say, a LeBron does, getting you the shots, but elevating in the sense of, hey, I am bringing 110% every single day. And if you aren't doing the same thing, then you're not going to be able to keep up. Almost like an MJ, Kobe kind of like Mm -hmm. very just, you know, cut your heart out kind of mentality, but they're going to get, they're definitely going to get theirs. Uh, You're not stopping it no matter what. So, all right. So I think this is kind of a good transition to kind of get into our top five Denzel flicks. So what I want to do is we'll go five through one and, you know, I'll let you start. You're the guest. So I'll let you start with your number five. I'll go with my number five. We'll kind of go back and forth. We'll see if ones we agree on, maybe ones we might disagree on. Um, And if you have any honorable mentions, any other considerations as well, feel free to share those. 
Um, but we'll go ahead and start. Uh, Jeremy, what is your number five uh, Denzel flick of all time? John, this was, I told you before, it was a hard list. So um, this was this was down to the wire going back and forth on it. But I'm going to go for my number five. It's one of those ones where I feel like at the time people gave it so much praise for as one of Denzel's best performances. But over time, I feel like people are kind of forgetting it. And so my number five is The Hurricane. Ooh. That's my number five, Ooh. where he plays Reuben Carter, a boxer who gets wrongly convicted of murder and winds up having it. He, you know, gets convicted. He gets sentenced away for life. And it winds up being, you know, in real life after he serves about like 20 years in, in jail, Reuben Carter. And then they finally overturn and he gets freed. And I think what Denzel's performances in that, it's one of his most powerful performances. I think the movie's excellent. But I go back to certain scenes, you know, that scene where after he's at the trial, he gets convicted and taken to jail. And then they were like, he had to change into like, you know, that the orange jumpsuit and he yes. refused and they wound up putting him in the hole. Mm. And then there's that scene where he's talking, it's like he's in the hole and there's, it's really him, but his mind's kind of going and yeah, he's talking, yeah. there's three of him. There's like the, the, the Reuben Carter, who's like scared and fragile the Reuben Carter who's cocky and arrogant and kind of like, you know, kind of be like, I'll make a man out of you. And then the calm and steady Reuben Carter. And it's, it's all, it's him, you know, acting amongst himself really, but it's, it's all just him in the hole and giving yes. you that feeling of like, he's coming to grips with being wrongly convicted of murder. He's coming to grips with where he is, how did his life get here and how is he going to move forward? And that's just one of many scenes in this movie that are just so powerful and so captivating of him, you know, portraying this tough, which is it's such a tough role of that person who's wrongly convicted. And he just brings it in every scene. So my number five is a performance in a movie that I feel like nowadays gets, it's underrated, The Hurricane. I like that. I like the number five. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one, The Hurricane. I think a couple of things that stuck, stuck out from, to me after hearing you describe this one, I just feel like Denzel, if you want to, if you're, if you have some kind of true story you're trying to tell in a Hollywood manner, like, is there anybody better than Denzel? Like nope. half of the movies I think on my list are based on true stories that Denzel just knocks out of the park every, uh, every single time. Um, so yeah, that one, I mean, that one is just a great pick um, at number five. And I think you're, I think you're exactly right. Probably more, one of the more underrated ones. Uh, I'll go ahead and say it's not on my list. I, I kind of feel like it should be, um, you know, but if I'm making this maybe maybe a top six, top seven, it's probably getting close to there uh, for me personally. Um, my number five, maybe it's a little bit of a recency bias, but I also think it was just really fun to see Denzel kind of flex his acting chops. Um, but I'm going to go with the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, mm. I like that one for a number of reasons. One, I mean, it looks absolutely amazing. I mean, just kind of seeing... Denzel put into the world of Shakespeare and the world of Macbeth. I mean, it's something I just never thought I would see. Um, it looks amazing on screen. I think it's one of the first like full length films that I, besides Coda, it's one of the, you know, one of the handful of things that I just felt like, oh my gosh, I have to watch on Apple TV or Apple Plus. So I think there's that. I'll always kind of, you know, kind of associate it with Apple Plus. Mm -hmm. um, 
But knowing that Denzel is a classically trained actor and then getting to see him work that way, like, and not only do that, but he works alongside with one of the all-time greats in Francis McDormand, who is on that same list of a five-decade actor receiving nominations across five different decades. So kind of seeing him go toe-to-toe, even though they're obviously like their husband and wife in this movie, but kind of seeing them play off of each other is like, to me, it's almost like, what if LeBron and Jordan were on the same team? Like, what right. do you mean? Like, my mind is blown, right? Just thinking about that. Putting Denzel and Francis McDormand in the same movie, to me, is like, oh my gosh, that's just, great things are going to happen, no matter what. So, absolutely, uh, Macbeth is my number five. I think that's a great pick. Um, it's not on mine, but it's a sleeper, and I feel like, recency bias in the other way where i think in a few years oh sure myself included and other people that could rise up to be like a top 10 top five denzel you know film yes um and i love the points you made about him being a classically trained theater actor because i think that's one of those keys to why he's so brilliant yes you know he he has all the tools he's a movie star but he's also he's got the fundamentals he's that classically trained and it's hard to bring both but he yes. does it. So I, I, I love that choice. Thank you. Thank you. What about you? What's number four for you? Number four is one that I feel like, man, people, I love this movie. Uh, I know that people kind of have critiqued it, certain people over time, but it's a movie that Tom Hanks won his first Oscar for. Ooh. And Tom Hanks was great, but I think no, Denzel's the one who carries this film. And granted, I'm from Philadelphia, but I got to go with number four, oh. Philadelphia. There's no there's no uh, bias in it. I know I'm from Philly, <laughs> but uh, Philadelphia, number four, because to me, you know, it's the movie where Tom Hanks plays a, a, a gay lawyer who was wrong. You know, he was fired for discrimination pretty much. And he's suing that law firm. Yeah, yeah. And he brings in Denzel's character as a lawyer who, let's be honest, he's homophobic himself. And ignorant, you know, Tom Hanks, his character has AIDS. He's very ignorant to it. And he kind of, what I love about Denzel's performance is he winds up taking the case and defending Tom Hanks' character. But it's not just he's automatically um, changed sure. over, like he takes the case and then now he's he's not prejudiced. He's not homophobic. You know, you see throughout the movie, even though he's, defending and he thinks that what happened to Tom Hanks character is wrong he's battling internally with those you know bigoted ways that sadly still go on today yeah but uh, that homophobia and there's just certain scenes that I think of you know where that one young law student they're in that like CVS and he comes up to him and says hey I really like what you're doing and they shake hands Denzel's like all right cool and then he kind of like makes a pass at Denzel and Denzel gets upset and starts human some, you know, homophobic slurs at him. And it's kind of that I I like that about a lot of Denzel's performances are it's a realness to it. Yes. He's not just like this, you know, a lot of times you see in movies, boom, this happens. And now all those years of prejudice or hate, they're just gone and they just magically Crash, disappear. Sure. Yeah, you know, he he's battling through that, but realizing and kind of slowly chirping, like, chipping down those barriers but it's not an overnight thing and he's charismatic in that courtroom as a lawyer yes um 
And I think it's a shame that I don't even know if he was nominated for it, but I think he should have won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Philadelphia, honestly, uh, as well. And I will always go back to seeing what Tom Hanks has said, which is that he learned from Denzel and Denzel made him have to step his game up and was a big reason why he got his first Oscar. So, and I think Philadelphia is just one of those movies you can just rewatch all the time, you know, Bruce Springsteen's song playing throughout it streets of Philadelphia. It's just a great film. So my number four for Denzel Philadelphia. Yeah. I'm looking at this now. Um, Tom Hanks won best for the best actor, but Denzel, nothing, no support, not even a nomination. And so, um, you know, we're talking about what year is this? This would have been 93, I believe. 93, so this is great radio, great podcasting, but Academy Award 1993. I'll probably edit around this a little bit, but I want to see who won, what the nominations were at the very least, because I feel like Denzel had to be wrong. Okay. So Pacino, wait. Oh, wait, is this, so maybe it's the year, oh, it has to be the 94, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to edit this. Oh, yeah, the 94 Oscars, yeah. 93, <laughs> well, sorry. No, I looked up 90, yeah, it was it was in 93, but it was the awards, okay, so uh, Best Actor, Tom Hanks won, so what about Support, Tommy Lee Jones with The Fugitive, not bad, Leo uh, for What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Ralph Fiennes, Schindler's List, John Malkovich in The Line of Fire, and uh, Pete Postlewaite in The Name of the Father, no offense to any of those folks. Denzel at least needs to be on that list. I'm sorry. Like, I, those are all big names too. But the fact that Denzel is not at least in the nomination, I mean, make the argument about whether or not he should have won it. That's fair. But not on the list. Are you kidding me? Oh, There's come two on. guys for that year who got robbed for not even being nominated. One is Denzel for Philadelphia. And this is where I don't know if Denzel should win it. The other is Val Kilmer playing Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Oh, Oh, I'll be your Huckleberry. That yeah, exactly. yes. Oh, and I neither were nominated. That's a shame. Oh, that the the Academy Awards. You know, love them or hate them, mostly hate them sometimes. But yes, they really getting it wrong that year. All right, so yeah, it's it's really interesting. You you brought up Philadelphia. You talked about how just kind of raw and how real Denzel can can really make things. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like my number four choice so much. Uh, and I'm going to go with Malcolm X. Um, I mean, we talked about that movie earlier, um, you know, in the, earlier in the podcast. And I think this one, you know, this is one that um, obviously received, I want to say received quite a few accolades um, at the time. We'll, we'll kind of dig through that a little bit later, but this is the one that it's one of the few movies of Denzel that I actually forget that it's Denzel Washington, like that I actually am in just belief and awe. I'm like, I feel like I'm watching Malcolm X on screen right now. Like I've read the autobiography of Malcolm X. I've, you know, read a little bit of the history on that time. And just so what I've, what I know about that time and just seeing Denzel on the screen, his mannerisms, like the way he dresses, the way he acts, the way we see Malcolm go from Malcolm Little to Malcolm X, and, you know, I mean, just the transformative and, and even like the transformation of Malcolm X as this like, you know, died in the wool nation of Islam, follower of Elijah Muhammad, like all white people are evil to like him changing and breaking away from the nation of Islam. Like it's almost like watching Denzel play. If you want to look at that movie as almost like 
three acts. Like there's Malcolm Little, there's Malcolm X pre Elijah Muhammad or, or Nation of Islam, uh, Malcolm X, and there's post, you know, Nation of Islam. And those are like three different characters. And the fact that Denzel is able to pull them off and just with such ease and to see that transition happen so fluidly um, is amazing because like it's kind of like Philadelphia in the sense that like he doesn't have this just like, oh, wake up moment. Okay, you know, I'm going to not. I'm going to be completely different within the nation of Islam or outside of the nation of Islam. It takes these moments, a series of moments kind of over throughout his life to, for he, for him to make these changes and to see that. And I, I mean, Malcolm X, as far as like an historical figure, like two and a half hours, three hours, isn't enough, like to cover it enough ground. But I feel like Denzel and Spike Lee together were able to, to do as much justice to Malcolm X as anybody possibly could at the time. So that one to me is just historical. Like that movie not only is just a great Denzel piece, but I mean, talk about movies for history's sake. Like that's one just everybody needs to watch just for history's sake. But then the Denzel factor, then, I mean, the cherry on top. No. And, and that's, I guess I'll say that's my number three. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Know? Yeah. So Malcolm X, which it's for favorite films is number three. I think for Denzel's best performance, it's still number one, and it's going to be hard to top that. Um, I look at, and you mentioned the autobiography of Malcolm X, and that that an all-time book, and that partnership that Alex Haley and Malcolm X had yes. with that book. And I feel like, and, and a lot of times there's debate, but a lot of people say the film can't match the book. But the partnership that Spike Lee and Denzel had, I do believe it's a partnership, that those two, when they collaborate, have, and this is their all, and they've done all great movies to me, but this is their ultimate collaboration. It's just something to see. And it's crazy that it's on par with what Alex Haley and Malcolm X did with the book. Yes. Um, I look at, like you said, you nailed it where he's playing Malcolm Little. He's playing, you know, Malcolm X when he first meets Elijah Muhammad and he's that militant. And then he's playing the Malcolm X when he breaks off and he does that pilgrimage to Mecca three like you said three different guys there's certain scenes that are just so powerful and that Denzel nails it and it's just the right amount of acting I'm thinking of that scene when he first he gets out of jail and he's now part of the nation and he gets introduced and he finally meets Elijah Muhammad and he's crying but he's yeah. not sobbing but he's crying because he's just overwhelmed that this man who this this man in his eyes great man who he's heard so much about he feels turned his life around, helped to show him the light from afar. Now he's in the same room meeting him and he's not sobbing, but he, he, you know, he's crying. Tears are just rolling down his face, but he's humble and he can't even look at him because he's just so, and that vulnerability just nails it. And then that, that to me, that's classic Denzel. He can give you that long speech if you need it, but then he'll have a scene where there's no words or very few words. And it's just as powerful as that long speech and I think that's what Denzel brings to this character. He brings that charisma, that magnetism that Malcolm X had. So if you put on YouTube a Malcolm X speech and then you go and watch this film, yeah. it's like boom, boom. He brings that same energy, that same thing that no matter if you agree with him, if you disagree with him, you're going to be watching Malcolm X. You're going to be watching Denzel. And to me, when you say that movie, Malcolm X, there's nobody else who could have played that part. There's one man. Yes. Completely agree. 
completely agree. And uh, Denzel was nominated, did not receive the best actor, but was at least nominated. So uh, was at least invited to the party. Uh, That's uh, that was the first time that I ever heard of like an Oscar snub. And I think it gets the love now, but back then I didn't hear it. But Al Pacino's Sin of a Woman beating Denzel Uh, for Malcolm X. That was always growing up in my household. Like why like my parents hated the Oscars was from that year. (laughs) Yeah, the controversy started, you know, yeah, it's I I could easily see that, uh, you know, I mean, all respect to Al Pacino. Probably some better films of his uh, prior to and even after uh, Sin of a Woman. But man, Malcolm X. Oh, my gosh. So my my number three is one that um, Denzel actually received an Oscar award for for best picture or excuse me, for best actor. And that is Training Day. And I, I am, to be honest, a little shocked that I have Training Day this low. Like when I when I was thinking about my top five films, I thought immediately Training Day would have to be number one. Like, I don't know why I just, that one is the one that I remember my dad renting as a kid and he watched it and it was a movie. He was like, no, I don't think you should watch this, but I kind of like would see bits and pieces of it when I would come out of the room. And I just knew something amazing was happening on the screen. I didn't know quite what, because it was a little adult for me, but I finally did get to watch it because I think we rented it and my dad, you know, left or something. And I just popped it in the VHS watched it and I was like oh my god this is amazing everything I you know expected it to be um but it's the why I love it so much is because we get bad guy Denzel it's like when Hulk Hogan switches from (laughs) all-american Hulk Hogan wearing the red and yellow to wearing the NWO black and white you're like I didn't think I could imagine Denzel as a bad guy that I'm now rooting for but here I am He's uh, he's just dragging around Jake Hoyt, this detective, this new, you know, new narco, dragging him around the streets of L.A. So not only is it a great Denzel movie, but it's a f- amazing L.A. movie. Like it shows you a side of L.A. that at the time, like, you know, I think I mean, a lot of what I knew about L.A. was sort of based on, you know, the 90s kind of image of L.A. Like there's things like. I don't know, like there's Clueless, there's the Beverly Hills side of L.A. Then there is the 90s L.A., like the Rodney King, the riots, Watts, the things that you would see on the news. And so actually seeing a movie where Denzel is kind of taking you through that grittier side of L.A. was just so amazing. I think, I mean, the scene where Denzel gets Jake Hoy, played by Ethan Hawke, to smoke PCP, tricks him telling basically convincing him to think he's smoking marijuana but it's really pcp i just you know you you knew denzel was kind of like he i don't know if we knew he was gonna go full heel but then he actually tricks him into smoking pcp and you're like i don't he has now entered the tyson zone no matter what he does throughout this movie i will not <laughs> be surprised but yet i was still surprised almost every time throughout the movie even until the end so I don't know that one training day kind of thought it would be number one. I'm still a little shocked. It's not number one because you could easily make the case it is, but it's number three for me. And so I think that's going to say a lot about what I think about two and about number one, because if training day is number three, Ooh. So what Man. about you? What, what are your thoughts on training day? And then yeah. next for you. So Training Day, it's a tough one because I, I won't say that it's not a, a, a hell of a movie, right? It's not on my top five. Maybe that's oh. the uh, 
that's a contrarian nature in me, John. Mm-hmm. I I feel like it's kind of it's that easy pick for people. It's that sure, easy sure. one. But it's a great, it's not a bad, like, I don't think any, it's going to be really, well, there are some bad ones you can name for Denzel. Like, not performances, but movies. Right, right, sure, sure. But, like, it's so, it's, it would make my top ten. Okay, okay. But I think what what I will give Training Day for sure is there's movies that aren't classified as horror, but they have a horror feel to it. Uh, Yes. And Training Day (laughs) is one of them. That no one would ever call it a horror movie, but to me, it's the same feeling I, when I watched that the first time, and then every other time since, the same feeling I get with a horror movie, I get when I watch Training Day, and like you said, Jake Hoyt, Ethan Hawke's character, you're just like, he's the victim, and you're just like, look out, little buddy, like, get out of the way, like, you're just, the monster's coming, and the monster's Denzel, and and it's a (laughs) monster that's, it's scarier than the monsters in the horror film, because... It's that, like, you know, he's a cop. He's hidden as, like, he's a good guy, but he's really right. the most dangerous guy out there. Um, one thing i also say about Training Day is I love what Ethan Hawke said, which is knowing that he's acting opposite Denzel, he got ready for that movie like it was a fight, like a sporting event. He yes. knew he had to get in shape mentally, physically, to be able to last with Denzel. Which is something to because Ethan Hawk gives a great performance. Yes, he but it's something does. to Denzel as well that he, you you know when as an actor you better bring it if you're going alongside Denzel. Yes, that's one of those I feel like they kind of elevate each other at times, but you can feel Denzel's energy the whole time, and Ethan Ethan Hawk does a really good job of of kind of mimicking or even you know uh, elevating that energy at, at certain mm-hmm. times. So man, yeah, de- definitely. I think that's, I think that's a good, I think you make a really good point though about training day. I think it's, it's one of those, it's, it's easy to put in the higher and the higher echelon of the picks, but um, maybe a little bit of chalk, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, you know, we said it, it probably, it should not have been his first best actor. Right. Nod, right. But he deserved to win it. Like, yes, you know. that's a fair assessment. Yes. Yes. Probably should have gotten that long before training day. But maybe that's kind of one of those, like, almost like the Leonardo DiCaprio award when he won for uh, The Revenant. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, we know you should have gotten, like, one of these years ago, but here you go. Um, yeah. For Best Actor. Obviously, Denzel won one for Best um, Supporting Actor before that. But just full on, here's your ring. Here's your title. Yeah, probably should have got one long before that. So uh, what about what's what's your number two? My number two is the movie that you had mentioned earlier which is when your first like connection with him in your US history cut it's glory. Oh man, so good. Glory. So good. It's just amazing, you know, he won best supporting actor and um I heard I heard someone say this line one time which is like cuz Morgan Freeman's in that. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's phenomenal, but it's like someone made a joke like Morgan Freeman had to be like damn it when Denzel's acting like there goes my Oscar gone cuz you know Denzel just carries it. I mean, yes. one of the more iconic scenes is, you know, because Denzel, like you said, he plays, he's an ex-slave and he's in, in the, you know, fighting for the union, but he's angry. And he's playing that that person who's not trusting. He's angry and he got a big chip on his shoulder. And it's that part where it's easy to kind of like not like Denzel throughout the movie. But then he also has it where you understand, you feel that pain yes. of, 
someone who's been screwed and you get why he has that chip. You're not just thinking, what a jerk. You understand it. And that part where he's getting whipped and he does that single tear, which to me, I don't know how he did that. Oh, I man. You can't teach so either you got it or you don't. You know what I'm saying, John? Yes. Like You can't go to some acting school and then be able to do that kind of scene. That's just that's just Denzel saying I'm one of the all time greats. Look out, clear out. I, I it's my time to shine. ISO, yeah, ISO. Give me the ball. <laughs> I'm going to score right now. Um, I think of the scene that him and Morgan Freeman have as well, where you know he call he says to Morgan Freeman, "You're nothing but the white man's dog." And Morgan Freeman slaps him, and Morgan Freeman gives his speech. Oh, you know? and it's just that thing of just like the common thread throughout these movies is what makes them from good to great. As far as a film, not Denzel is if that person opposite him yes. can step up and meet him. Yes. And you know, that person in that scene, you got to be able to meet Denzel's passion, meet his intensity, meet his charisma. And Morgan Freeman does it right there in that scene too. And it's just so many great parts and scenes in that film. Um, my brother and I always go back and we always talk about it. That scene where they're all around the campfire the night before they're going to the big battle yes. and they're singing and everyone's getting up and they're giving their, you know, speeches about, Hey, this is that final battle, but I, I'm going out with you guys. And I, if I find, if I meet Jesus, then, Hey, I'm glad I'm doing it with you, you men. And Denzel, you know, Morgan Freeman drags Denzel up. And I love that. He's still, He's got that chip on his shoulder a little bit, but he's being vulnerable and he's talking about like, you know, the family he's lost and he's getting choked up. And I love the 54. I, I remember him saying that. I love the 54. And then he can't talk anymore. And I'm like, he just nails it. That relatability. Like, yes. you know, it's, it's so it's not that the, the perfect words, like it's not like he gave that perfect speech, but yet you still feel it. So glory is a good Definitely a good number two. I, I'm kind of kicking myself for not putting it on my list because like I said earlier, it's my, you know, it's my first real experience with Denzel. The movie is great. He was obviously uh, nominated and awarded for best supporting actor. So clearly like his peers obviously thought the world of him too in 1989 when he won that award and, you know, they put that movie out. Um, it's on my kind of honorable mention list. Like it definitely makes my top probably eight Denzel movies. Um, but I think it just goes to show just how how deep his library is. Right. It'll be like that, for example, like Training Day doesn't make your top five. Glory doesn't make mine. But we both can recognize they're pretty damn good movies. And it's like, all right, that says a lot about Denzel. And I think even more, just knowing that you mentioned this earlier, he's going head to head with Morgan Freeman, who at the time is like maybe at his apex. You also have Matthew Broderick in the 80s, who is maybe, maybe, maybe slightly past his peak, but still in the 80s, Matthew Broderick was one of big star. Yes, big actor. So, I mean, huge star. So, for Denzel to stand out amongst that kind of cast says everything about Denzel. And just and talk about one of those pieces that, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure I would have eventually gotten around to seeing Glory, you know, outside of my U.S. history class had I not. But it's one of those pieces. It's like that's not a movie that you put on and show kids when you don't have anything ready, you know, as a teacher. Like I've had those days as a former teacher where I'm like scrambling to put something <laughs> yeah. on so I can catch up on grading. 
but glory is legitimately historically accurate it's a good movie you're gonna learn something from it so like it, it just it, it checks a lot of boxes so i'm glad you brought up glory um my number two and i can't you know it's again one of those like i'm kind of surprised it's this low but it's remember the titans number two for me is remember the titans it's the first denzel movie i remember seeing in the theater like i said earlier had to go to the dollar theater to see it because it was so you know by the time everybody else got around to seeing it, it was so popular, I had to wait. So um, I waited a little bit after the storm died down on this one because it was just so huge. But at the time it was kind of, you know, this was 2000. So this is the time, you know, I wanna say I'm in junior high at this time. My, my you know, kind of love for football is also forming at this time. Year 2000, we've got, the last time my Oklahoma Sooners won a national championship and I was mm. riding the wave of football <laughs> at the time. You know, I don't remember obviously the, the, the time of year, remember the Titans came out. I'm sure it might've happened probably even before all of that happened, but still it was just kind of like at the time that I was forming a love for the sport of football, I saw this amazing movie about football, a real life event that happened in football at a high school team in Virginia you have Denzel Washington, who is just playing the part of Coach Boone and just, I mean, just steals the show. And another movie that's absolutely loaded with talent, with talent at the time and future talent later yes. on, we would be seeing for years to come. Remember the Titans. I mean, just a, I think, I know it's, I know it's obviously properly rated, probably in terms of like, I don't know, the, where people think about Denzel. But I think this is one, again, I think this is one, if you're talking about even like the greatest Disney movies of all time, you got to throw this one in the conversation because I think, you know, it's it's not a movie that people think about as a Disney movie all that often. But for me, it's like, it may be my all-time favorite one because just, I think it's, you know, some of those Disney movies, when you see them at the right time, like for me, just going, you know, maybe just getting into junior high, loving football, finding this movie, just the perfect storm for me. So I think for number me, for me, it's number two could easily be number one. And I have a hard time not putting it at number one, but it's number two for me. So what are your thoughts uh, about it being number two? And then maybe um, we can go with your, we can segue into your, uh, to your number one pick. Uh, well, once again, John, I guess great mind. Cause this is my number one pick. Oh, wow. Oh, Remember wow. the Titans okay. is my, my number one pick. It's, um, I'll say as far as scripted movies, it is my favorite movie of all time. Wow. Um, okay. All right. I, I love can it. say, like I said, we're, I'm going to date us, which is for VHSs. There are two movies I I watched so many times. I wore them out and they couldn't work anymore. <laughs> One is Remember the Titans. Number two is The First Rush Hour. I oh. watched it so often. I wore them out. So yes. that's how much I love Remember the Titans. Um, there's like you said, so many future stars. It's crazy to watch that and look back and see a young Ryan Gosling, Wood Harris, so yes. many guys who be wind up being these huge stars in Hollywood, and they're how young they are. Donald Faison's a young guy in that. It's just unbelievable to see. And I think what I love about what Denzel does as Coach Herman Boone is. I was thinking about this today 
you know, we have Al Pacino as the coach in any given Sunday. And I love any given Sunday. Don't get me wrong. Yes. And Al Pacino gives that great speech at the end, that great monologue to get them ready for the game. And it's awesome. And like, it's, it's a great, like, get you hype. Well, well about Denzel and this performance is he has so many of those, but so fewer words yes. when he leads them on that jog to the, you know, the cemetery, Gettysburg. the battle of Gettysburg. And, you know, uh, coach Yosef before is like, isn't it's a fine line between, sanity and crazy and you're kind of dangling with it and then he just like let's go he doesn't like he knows the confidence that coach boone has denzel showing i know how to lead young men i know what i'm doing i'm the guy for this job to lead young men in a segregated state segregated you know their high school area there's a confidence you got to have in yourself to be like i'm the man for this job in virginia in 1971 you know what i'm saying and he's leading that and if you think about that scene when he leads them, it's not a lot of words. It's nope. not like a long thing. And it's just, you know, pretty much coming up. If we don't come together, we will fail like these guys. We'll be just like these guys here. I don't care if you like each other, but you will respect each other. And just maybe we might play this game like men. And that kicks it off. But that scene, it was just powerful right there. He doesn't have a lot of times. He doesn't have to have all the verbal words, but he still has that charisma to know he dominates the scene and he takes over. Yes. Yes. So a couple of things about Remember the Titans. One, I think of all the movies on this, of all the movies we talked about with Denzel, this is the one that will still give me utter goosebumps every time I see it, no matter what, Mm -hmm. especially the scene you described when they get to the Gettysburg, when they finally, he kind of makes this speech after the long run, everybody's tired when the bonding comes together, I mean, oh my gosh, it's just right immaculate scene. And one other thing I want to mention too, is you said that Denzel does a lot of amazing work in this movie with saying little, the game, I don't remember the team he plays, but there is a moment in the, in the movie when before the game, um, a coach makes a comment in the news media, very racist comment about coach Boone, you know, being black. And this is a white coach and it's in Virginia. So not surprising. He's making a racist remark at the time um but coach Boone, they win and doesn't say a word to him doesn't really say much of anything but passes it throws him a banana as they're leaving the field just to kind of say like i heard what you said and i don't even need to say a word to you i let what just happened on the field say everything Mm -hmm. in this small gesture just the middle finger without even saying a single word I mean, just the chef's kiss, like, moment of that movie for me. And that scene's great because, yeah, the, the white coach calls him, you know, says like a, calls him like a monkey or something. Yes, like that. yes. And so it, one thing about that scene, when they're, they're all in, like, line, the players shaking hands. So Denzel, you know, Coach Boone is still going to take the high road. He puts out his hand to shake it. Even though he got called that in the media by that coach, he's going to take the high road. But the coach just looks yes. at him and keeps going. And then he said he calls it the coach is walking. He says, says his name and flips him the banana. That's it. It's yes. like he was willing to take the high road, but he knew he knew this <laughs> coach is racist. He knew that, hey, and the problem with racism is yeah. people that's a crutch for people. They're gonna die on that. So he knew, like, I'll be just I'll take the high road, but he's not gonna take it. So I'm ready for that too. And yes. it's it's just subtle enough, and it's just that sticking it right to you. I gotcha. And and you're right, that's that's a great scene. Oh, phenomenal scene. All right. 
So your number one is remember the Titans. That was my number two. And I mean, you make an amazing case for it to be number one. I, I have, I'm almost like reconsidering my list every single time we talk about a different movie. I'm almost having to reshuffle my list, but I'm going to go with my number one. This is a, probably a little bit of recency bias because I did watch this movie yesterday in preparation, but I did watch it because I truly believe it is my favorite Denzel movie. And it's Man on Fire uh, from 2004. You've got Denzel just going on a murderous revenge rampage trying to find uh, Dakota Fanning. Then when he thinks Dakota Fanning, who is, you know, she's kidnapped, he's the bodyguard. When he thinks she's dead, he just goes full just fuck you mode. I'm going to kill anybody and everybody (laughs) related to this. And the way he does it, I mean, the iconic moment and scene where Denzel puts a piece, you don't actually see him put it, but you find out that he put a piece of explosive up another one of these cartel guys' ass and, you know, he detonates it. I mean, it just this. I mean, Denzel, like to me, this is like, you know, you hear in the NFL, like, hey, let so-and-so cook, let Russ cook, let this quarterback cook. To me, it's like Tony Scott said, hey, Denzel, you know what? I'm just going to let you cook for two and a half hours across Mexico City. Whatever you want to do as far as like performing violent acts to get revenge. You know, maybe some people might argue this is a little revenge porny to some extent. But to me, it's just like, hey, let's let this guy cook. Let's let Denzel. He doesn't have to say a lot in this movie but let's let him have a lot of fun. Here's the thing. he It's not even all about the violence. I think some of the best moments of this movie are about Denzel's relationship as a bodyguard to PETA, a very young Dakota Fanning. Like right. she changes him from this hardened ex-CIA assassin to this man with a heart of gold, this big teddy bear, a creasy bear, if you will. Yeah. And like that transformation to me is what makes this movie so great. Like, yeah, I love watching Denzel go all out. To me, watching him do that is very much like training day, but seeing him pull out this other side of himself, oh my gosh, like those moments to me are what make Denzel so amazing because he can pull off both in the same movie like to be able to he's basically playing two completely dynamic polar opposite characters in the same movie and you could in my in my argument could give him an oscar for either one or both so man on fire that's my number one that to me is the movie when i think about denzel kind of quintessential denzel i think that's the one for me that's my kind of prototypical denzel movie that's interesting that's a- I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you uh, went with that one. That is that's a good movie. It is. I I definitely will say that. It's. I don't know if I would, it would hit my top ten though. Wow. Interesting. I, I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest. I I I love that you're different though. I love people who have that. That's why I think this is such a fascinating topic. Sure. Because, sure. Like, I, I mean, there's just. I know we'll get to like honorable mentions, you know, later. But it's just so many that you could pick that I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that one. There's that one. So yes. Man on Fire is one that I'm like, oh, man, I forgot about that one. <laughs> and it's not a bad movie at all. It's good. So I'm not, like, coming at the pick. I'm just like, it's a credit to Denzel. Yeah, honestly, yeah. His body of work because a movie that good, 
and I don't think it would not hit my top 10, but it's a movie I can rewatch all the time. Like sure. if it's on, I'm watching it. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. Good. It's just like, you know, I'm like, man, if I go between that and like John Q, it's like, Ooh. man, that's tough. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I think of like Man on Fire, John Q, like Yeah. I could kind of see the same a little a similar vein, you know. Yeah. John Q, father willing to do anything and everything to save his son, man on fire willing to do anything and everything basically to save what kind of becomes like his own daughter by the right right exactly exactly yeah yeah. all right so we just went through our top five i think this would be a great place to take a quick pause and let's hear from our other show sponsor barnana snacks then we'll come back and talk about some more all things denzel some kind of some more rapid fire Uh, Big picture questions about Denzel. So let's take a quick break here. All right. So my wonderful sponsors at Barnana Chips were so kind uh, to send me a care package with some wonderful snacks some wonderful chips of various kinds, different snacks to try. And I've been saving one for a while that I've been, been dying to try. And it's the organic plantain chips, spicy mango salsa, their kettle cook style chips. So I'm going to do a live uh, first try, a live taste, uh, and you can get my instant reactions to these chips. I've been dying to try these chips. So here we go. Open up the bag. Give a smell test. Ooh, ooh I can smell the, the sweetness, the, the, the spiciness. Okay, here we go. First chip. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I like that a lot. Is the flavor is a little subtle. The spice is kind of subtle, but you can taste the sweetness of the mango right away. But that spicy mango kind of the salsa um, kind of creeping up in the back. I can feel the spice in the back of my the back of my mouth right now. It's really good. Um, it's not overpowering the mango, the sweetness, but the salsa taste together not overpowering but a nice kick you know um be good to have a glass of water with these but i'm not feeling like oh my god i absolutely have to rush out and drink a glass of water right now i like that that subtle spice uh and combined with the sweetness so let me give another chip good stuff good stuff so check these out they're barnana spicy mango salsa their kettle style chip it's fantastic i would give it like an 11 out of 10 i don't know is that fair but check it out thanks barnana all right so you know i want to talk now about more big picture things about denzel washington we've talked about you know, several of his movies, a lot of the same ones were in our top five. Also, we had some, you know, we had some movies that were not in each other's top five. So it was kind of great to, to go down memory lane on some of those movies as well. But I'm curious, do you have a favorite Denzel quote? It could be from a movie, TV show, real life, anywhere. Any, any famous words that Denzel has uttered that, that, that are maybe your favorites? Uh, Sure. One of them is that quote from uh, Remember the Titans, that speech at the at the grave, you know, for people who die in the Battle of Gettysburg. That's a favorite of mine. One's a real life quote. And for those who don't know, if you go by, you could look up Denzel motivational quotes. He has a lot of good yes. ones. But 
one that's simple, but I like is if you pray for rain, you must also deal with the mud. That's a part of it. And I, I like that quote. It's simple, but it's there where grass isn't always greener on the other side and what you wish for deal with everything that comes with it. Not just the, the praise or the good, but deal with all the other stuff that comes with it. And I, I think that quote is simple, but it nails it. I love that one. Um, I wrote a few down, um, probably the most iconic Denzel quote. And I don't know if it's my favorite, but I definitely recognize it as maybe the most iconic. Uh, it's from training day and it's King Kong ain't got shit on me yeah. uh, to me. I mean, there's that, that may be the most Denzel quote, like that mm-hmm. might go on his obituary or might go on like, <laughs> you know, when we, when we just sum up his career, um, that's probably it right there. Remember the Titans. One of my favorite quotes is, I think, I, I can't remember exactly when he say, I think this is in response to some people in the community intimidating uh, coach Herman Boone. But at one point he says, I don't scratch my head unless it itches and I don't dance unless I hear some music. I will not be intimidated. That's just the way it is. And I love the way he just stands up firmly against this community. That's really pushing back on integration at the time in Virginia. And I mean, him just being kind of the face of the changing times in Virginia is just, and he's just so quick on his feet to answer these responses to to the the community. And he does not back down at all. I love that quote. Well, that, that, Real quick, just to because I love that quote. That's after uh, Coach Yost, the assistant, his daughter is staying is staying over. That's right. Herman Boone's, you know, playing with his daughters, and yes. someone throws the brick through the window. Yes. And so then, you know, they're walking inside to the school, and the media is there, and he's saying, "I will not be intimidated." And then Yost is mad at him, saying, "You know, if you quit, you know, being all loud and boisterous, this wouldn't happen to you." Yes. So that's when he says that quote. He's kind of going back at Yost. You that's know, right. You know, so that that's a great scene between the two of them. Oh, very good scene. All right. So Denzel has done a lot. You know, Denzel has been, I mean, he's very dynamic. We've, we've expressed that. He can do historical roles. He can do fictional. He can pretty much do anything and everything. So I'm just curious. Uh, what movie franchise currently in existence do you think would benefit the most if we threw Denzel into the universe, like uh, maybe Marvel, what about Fast and the Furious, Jurassic Park? Is there any like movie franchise you think Denzel would really thrive in? I I think Fast and the Furious is an interesting one. Ooh, I'd love it. You know, if he plays that like cop trying to take down like Vin Diesel and the gang, I think, I think, I mean, that franchise has gone on for 20 something years and so many movies but I think that would give it another like jolt, you oh. know, to life. Um, it's crazy that Denzel is in his sixties and we're still thinking of him playing these like yeah. action kind of role. Like that's a testament to him, but yeah. I think fast and the furious is a good one. I think he would save the DC, whatever DC movies are trying <laughs> to do. They need some help. And I think you, you bring Denzel in to kind of save those films. Um but I think the Fast and the Furious one is a great one. I think him opposite like Vin Diesel and Don, you know, Dom Toretto and all that yeah. stuff, that'd be a great thing. Be so oh, good. man. Yeah, because if you think about Fast Five, they bring in The Rock, which mm-hmm. to me is like the Warriors bringing in Kevin Durant. Right. Then if you're like, all right, what if the Warriors also somehow got Giannis? Like, <laughs> what, are, what are we doing here? What's going on here? Now we have we have – we have Giannis on this team too. Like what is going on? So yeah, I think if you added uh, Denzel, the fast and the furious, I, 
I, I probably would go see any of those franchises with Denzel in it, but but Fast and the Furious might get me there faster. Right. Um, you know, it's hard to say, but also I think in a few of his movies, Denzel has demonstrated, I think he'd be a pretty good coach. He's obviously a very good motivational speaker. So I'm curious, in what role, I have two parts picked out. If you have another part picked out, that's fine too. But between these two, which do you think he showed he was a better coach? Is it John Creasy as the swim coach in Man on Fire for PETA? Or was it Coach Herman Boone in Remember the Titans? I think I know what you're going to go with. There. Yeah. Pretty obvious, but I have to ask. I'm I'm biased, but I, I think Herman Boone, Remember the Titans. And, and Man on Fire, great coach, but I got to go with Herman Boone because it, it, it showed a little bit about X, but coaching is so much more than just X's and O's. Yeah. It's about yeah. motivation. It's about that psychology, knowing the pulse of the players, getting them to play as one. Yes. And like, you know, we talked about earlier, him having to do that against maybe the most toughest of circumstances is amazing. And he showed yes. that, like, he's the guy, like, he put that performance on. So Herman Boone, remember the Titans for me. And, I mean, you know, yeah, it's like you said, it's more than X's and O's. I mean, talk about, you know, talk about coaches having to deal with, like off the field drama, like like right. we talk about like oh you know the Nets have to deal with Kyrie Irving. You're like that sounds like a lot, but that's not like 1970s Southern racial integration. Like so, yeah. I I think being able to navigate that and still put a a team that not only had to do that, but he had to navigate the the waters of hey if you lose a single game your replacement is on the bench waiting for you to immediately be put back in. So right. Don't mess up. <laughs> like, right. Oh my gosh. Like talk about pressure. I mean, you know, I think, yeah, this, this may, I don't know, maybe any coach fictional or otherwise has maybe dealt with more pressure than Kurt than coach Herman Boone right there. So very few, <laughs> very few. Um, let me ask you this. If somebody were to make a film about the life of Denzel Washington, maybe a biopic, maybe it's a 10-part Netflix series or mm. some, something like that, who would you pick to play Denzel? Someone, see, it's so hard. I don't, I hate even putting this out in the air because it's unfair to the young man. But if there's someone, there's there's only, there's only going to be one Denzel, but that, that tort can handle the torch. I think Michael B. Jordan. I think that's oh. the guy I see as he could nail that role. And he's oh, kind wow. of had some – I'm not going to say he's Denzel. He's had some performances that made me think of Denzel. Yes. Think of some characteristics of Denzel. And I think he would be the guy that I see as of right now as the guy I can think of to kind of play Denzel in that Denzel biopic or that Netflix series. Either one would be great, but – Michael B. Jordan's my my answer for that. Yo, where's Wallace? Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh man, Michael B. Jordan. I mean, talk about just like dynamic character actors. I mean, playing Wallace from The Wire as a young kid, then he's this action star in all these movies. You know, in Black Panther, you've got the Creed series. You've got him as a serious actor as well. I mean, so like. I, I could easily see that. I think he checks a lot of the same boxes that Denzel does. Like mm -hmm. very good actor, also a movie star, very dynamic. Um, doesn't necessarily have to say a lot 
in order to be seen on the screen. So I think that's a very, it, it's hard to say anybody could fill those shoes as kind of playing such a big part, but I think that's a very fair and uh, comparison. What I'll say real quick is if you've seen Black Panther and Michael B. Jordan playing Killmonger, yeah, I'll throw out to you, does that not remind you of what Denzel was doing in Glory? Yes. You know? You know why he is the way he is. Yes. You know, there are times you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't stand this guy. He's a heel. But you know his past. You know his pain. So I think, yeah, exactly. Very, very tough. Very, uh, you know, just, um, yeah. So I think that's a pretty interesting comparison, too, from Glory. So I guess my next question you may have already answered it, but I'm curious, maybe, and this doesn't necessarily have to be Michael B. Jordan, but who do you think is the next Denzel? Like, is there a next Denzel? And that could be, and I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I, I mean, you can take that any way you want. Right, right. That I don't necessarily mean that is who is the next actor that is potentially the greatest of all time. I don't know. That could be it. Or could it be that next dynamic actor who can pretty much play any part? I don't know. It, who do you think could fill those shoes? Is it Michael B. Jordan, or do you think there's somebody else out there? No. Well, I think it's kind of a twofold. It's a really good question. I think Michael B. Jordan has that ability. I, But I think what makes me a movie, you know, trends change, so we'll see. Yeah. But I feel like Denzel, you know, Tom Hanks, you know, Clooney even, we're in a different era where there are actors, there's movie stars kind of, but it's, it's different. We're not getting those. I feel like it's, we've become so commercialized and just franchised and that blockbuster. And can we get four or five sequels out of it? Yes. I feel like we're kind of losing those stars where it's like, I mean, we saw like with top gun, you know, Tom Cruise, like kind of led that. It was a good movie, but people went, Oh, Tom Cruise. And you look at, uh, what miles teller like yeah it's kind of set up for him to be the next guy but i'm like he's a good young actor but i'm like is he gonna be a a star like the way you say tom cruise denzel tom hanks julia roberts like i don't know if we're gonna get that kind of again like i feel like that's fading so it's kind of like michael b jordan but right now i feel like because tv's doing so well yes uh we're losing that age of movie stars maybe it's one of the kids from the stranger things who knows yeah (laughs) you never know and and things can change and turn around you know trends but it's kind of what i'm fearing like i I don't know we're not saying those names the same way we were just when we were growing up you know what i'm saying yeah and I, i think there are less opportunities i think there's certain movies that just I think their movies, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a glory or maybe it's a Philadelphia or maybe it's a hurricane that those movies, if they're made today, I don't know if they get the same notoriety, if they get the same attention because they're not Marvel movies, because they're not franchises. Maybe they show up on a streaming service and they get that kind of underground buzz, kind of like Coda did a year ago, where it's right, like, right. hey, unless you have Apple Plus or whatever, you're probably not seeing this. Um, unless it's a Marvel movie, you're probably not going to the theater to see this. So I, I just wonder about maybe just the climate of the way television, the way movies are consumed nowadays, will make it more difficult for those really, really big stars to make the impact. Or I don't know. I, I could kind of see it go a number of ways, but... 
I think the ultimate point is Denzel is a unicorn. He's a one of one. He's a young, yeah. he's, you know, he's just those, just that, that, that Lawrence Taylor, just like, there's never going to be one like him, you know? And so, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. So I've just got a couple, I've got maybe one more Denzel kind of related question than a couple of smaller, lighter questions than we'll, we'll sure. kind of here. So big picture question. I, and, you know, uh, I want to know, we've talked all about Denzel this whole time. So I'm curious in your opinion, is Denzel Washington the greatest American actor of all time? If not, who do you think is? Um, if you do think he is, um, you know, why, 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 what make the case? Why is Denzel the goat? Yeah, he's, I'm going to say, this is a, it's a good question, tough question. He's on that Mount Rushmore. I'm going to give him the goat. Um, you know, to me, I look at Marlon Brando is up there. Meryl Streep is up there. Yes. Like they're, they're in that running, like, you know, just like to me with the NBA, there's like three names really I want to hear for like greatest NBA players, like three names. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to give Denzel, I'm going to give Denzel number one because of the longevity. Yeah. Because of the versatility, because one thing that I love Meryl Streep that I don't, she doesn't have that. She doesn't have the, to me, the combination of, she does great performances, but then that common film that like every, you know, Joe Sixpack wants to go watch that movie too and can just carry it. And it's like, hey, you know, I remember going to the theater to see Safe House. Yeah. And wasn't the greatest, you know, Ryan, you know, Reynolds could not keep up with Denzel. <laughs> but Denzel was so good. Like, it's just like, oh, Denzel is in this. So I got to go see it. He yeah. brings so much to it where he's that actor's actor, yet he's a movie star. And yeah. a lot of times we don't have people who can do both. Yes. And there's very few who can. And Denzel has. And what I'll give him over even a Brando is the longevity. We're going on 35 years of him being a household name. And knock on wood, there's no end in sight for him. You're not like, oh, let's wrap it up, Denzel. You mentioned on your top five, the Macbeth movie, which was awesome. That came out last year in 2021. Yeah. yeah. And and to me, it's like, you know, he did Fences not too long ago yes. with Viola Davis. And that was an Oscar kind of movie. Like, in in the past decade alone, his was like his fourth or fifth decade of acting. That decade alone would be anyone's like star decade. Yes, exactly. And how many people can say that? And I think that being with the other things is why I will call him the goat. And I, you know, as a, I have to say, as a, you know, black man, must, you know, myself doing it where it's hard to be a movie star, to make films, to be continuously successful in Hollywood, no matter who you are. Yes. But then when you look at it as a, you know, an African-American male, even harder, <laughs> you yes. know, and who really was it before? Like Sidney Poitier kind of passed the torch to, I say him and who else doesn't get Eddie Murphy doesn't get enough credit either as an actor like that, but they took it into another level and set it up for Will Smith and other people to kind of do it. You know, the rock today, like, Denzel paved that way and took what Sydney laid the foundation on and went even further with it. So yeah, he he's the goat in my opinion. I love it. Yeah. I think you're, I think you said it so well when you said, Hey, you know, five decades and still going, we know there's no end in sight. Like 
if you told me that Denzel is going to win another Oscar in the next 10 years, I would be 0% surprised. I mean, right. I don't think you could even tell me that Denzel might even put out his best work in the next 10, 20 years, because I think he's only getting better with time. Like just like a fine wine, he's just getting better. So um, yeah, I think I, I have a hard time. I don't know if I, I would probably say if you, you know, kind of gun to head sort of argument. Yes. I put him in there as number one. I think if we're talking about big picture conversation, it's Denzel, Meryl Streep, um, I think Tom Hanks is probably in that conversation. I would yeah. say Tom Hanks is a little more mainstream. Maybe that he's he's the actor I think that kind of is able to check maybe a lot of boxes for a lot of people, kind of that middle audience. Um, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is another one up there for me. That's you know I think Denzel and Leo are almost like one A one B. If you may, you can make an argument like either one to me. They're both guys that if they put something out. I don't care what else is attached to it. I need to see it. I just mm -hmm. for no other reason, just to see what they're going to do. So um, Denzel, I, I would go with Denzel one, but I think there are a few people that are at least in the conversation, but Denzel at least does enough to rise above. So um, to kind of wrap things up, I want to know, I ask everybody who comes on my show because I'm just curious and I love to get, you know, suggestions and things for myself and also for my listeners uh, Jeremy, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to these days? Is there any content uh, that you're really excited about? TV show, book, movie, anything at all? I I am uh, a big time reader. Uh, love watching TV as well, but I can say I'm gonna you know wouldn't be right doing a, a history kind of podcast. It's sports and pop culture, but this book Swagger, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, coach the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I downed this book in probably like two days. Wow, it was that fascinating. Um, kind of we mentioned like with Denzel and Herman Boone, but it, it gets right into just what you look for dealing with coaching leadership. And I love books like that that you you know they might be for running a business or coaching a football team, but you could apply to any aspect of life. Yeah, of like how to like you know it's psychology. It's communication, it's motivation, it's putting up boundaries, it's talking about mistakes, talking about ego. It has all that. And uh, I think Jimmy Johnson's a fascinating figure. Oh, and yes. this book um, was awesome. And, and I like it. It's okay, I think, in books to have that, you know, I was born in 1947, blah, blah, blah. But I like that. It doesn't really go, it gets right into like, Oh, him good. as like coaching and his mindset and the big stories, but also little ones too. Um, it gets right into it. And even some stuff family that he dealt with and the sacrifice he made to be a great coach, but he didn't get to know his sons until they were, you know, long adults. Wow. So it just has it all. So that one I did just this week in two days. Um, Love it. I have common enemies. Georgetown basketball, Miami football, and the racial transformation of college sports. Yeah, um, you were telling me about this one last time when we spoke. Yes, yes. And it's something, if you listen to Jose and I talk on our podcast, we've talked about John Thompson and Georgetown basketball, the U in Miami. So this goes to, like, the crazy, unexpected rise of these programs in the 80s and how no one saw them coming 
and how a lot of times they uh, the establishment was rocked seeing young black athletes winning and showing charisma and characteristic and not being like apologizing for it. And then people fighting against them, but then later on adopting that and making money off of them and the hypocrisy of it. So this is a great book. I think that people would like to read and my brother for Christmas, uh, which I started. So I'm ADD. So I read a lot of books at once. So my mind goes everywhere. So he got me um, The Last Enforcer, Charles Oakley's oh, book. Oh, Big Oak. I love Big it. Oak. So oh, I started that yeah. as well. I started that as well. And um, a guy who's been a guest on my podcast and your podcast, I'm still reading Jeff Perlman's book, the last, yeah. you know, on Bo Jackson, The Last Great Folk Hero. Great. So those are the ones I'm kind of juggling right now. Okay. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to check out that one on Georgetown. It's on my Amazon wish list. So as soon as my uh, my stack of books gets a little thinner, I think I'm going to have to pop that one on. Yeah, on yeah. For the stack. So um, I'm curious now. I want to give you an opportunity to plug uh, your podcast. Where can listeners of this show, Knowledge Brew Supreme, where can they catch up with your podcast, Bigger Than the Game? You also, you just released an episode about the 1987 NBA Finals. What's next? Can you can you share maybe what's next for you guys? Yes, absolutely. So we're bigger than the game with Dermy and Jose. We're coming up on our third year. January will be three years. Uh, we're over at a you know knock on wood over like 123 episodes and counting. Nice. Um, our slogan is we like we like to connect the past to the present. Um, and you can find us. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, so on YouTube, bigger than the game with Dermy and Jose. But anyway, listen to podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Pod. You know all those things. We you'll find it. And uh, our YouTube channel is a little bit newer. But if you want the deep dive of like our history, you go on to like the podcast platforms, bigger than the game with Dermy and Jose, and you'll find it. Um, this week will be 50 years since Roberto Clemente's tragic passing. Wow. So that'll be our next episode. Jose and I are going to record later this week um, okay. is uh, something that's really special to both of us. And we've been, it's been in the works for about, a, you know, over a year, but, you know, things have come up, but really wanting to do someone we both respect and idolize uh, Roberto Clemente do him justice. So, uh, That'll be our next episode. And then, you know, we're going to start the New Year's off with different, you know, talk about the 72 Dolphins and, you know, Super Bowls, oh. maybe a rewatch on that 92 championship game, Cowboys 49ers, you know, NFL playoffs getting ready. So um, there's a lot. There's there's so much. Um, it, it gets hard at times, I'm sure, you know, because like us, like, we have a day job and we have other things, but like we could record every day if we had right. yeah, yeah, yeah. so many different topics, but um, <laughs> no, we love it, man. And we've been, we're going on three years and uh, it's been great to also, whether it's a guy like Jack Silverstein, Pete Corrado, a guy like yourself, we're meeting and talking with really cool people who love and share a passion for the same things as us. So it's been a blessing. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's so wonderful to hear three years and still going strong and, uh, it was wonderful to to be on your show, and it was great to kind of you know now we've we've had the home and home series and uh, 
brought you on. For, you know what? Without Jose, though, just gives me an excuse to get bring you guys on again. We'll have to set something up with the Absolutely. three. I love to have you here, but I, I need I need another podcast with Jose as well. So oh, I do too. I do too. He's away, <laughs> you know, Christmas holiday. He's traveling. But um, no, we definitely need to do it and and definitely gotta get you back on. And if you know, let me know when you read some of these books. Yeah, we can have our own like book club, you know. I'll come oh, on yeah. yours, you'll come on mine, we could talk about them. That sounds great. Awesome. I love it. That's a fantastic idea. So uh thank you again to uh to Jeremy. Uh, to Jeremy Dove from Bigger Than the Game podcast for joining me today. I'm going to throw links in the show notes where you can find their YouTube channel. You can find the podcast episodes. You can find their social media. So please check them out. They're putting out wonderful, amazing content. They have been now for three years. And just like Denzel, there's no end in sight. They're going to keep <laughs> pumping out some wonderful stuff. So uh, thank you again. This makes episode 59 of Knowledge Brews Supreme. I am your host, Dr. John Chansey. My goal is to get to 100 episodes. I'm past the halfway point. I only need 41 episodes to achieve that goal. So thank you for listening. Please share, subscribe, and review. Be good, be safe, and peace out. Peace.